What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode, another edition of Yamatelakatia's podcast with your host, with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. You got a jam-packed show for you today. I'm a touch. On, I'm a recap wildcard weekend in the NFL. And I'll preview divisional round action in the NFL in the 2018 NFL playoffs. I'll also recap Clemson defeating number one unbeaten. Both the teams were unbeaten, but beating number one defending champion Alabama in the 2018 College Football National Championship game uh, on Monday night. First things first, get into the National Football League with their playoffs. Uh, I'm going to touch on the Ravens and the Chargers game and the Cowboys and Seahawks game because I got a bone to pick with the Seahawks and the uh, Ravens because the way their games played out, uh, you know, within 24 hours of each other really had me mad. And I was like so... I, re- I really had to, like, help myself because I honestly wanted to do a podcast right after the Seahawks game and right after the Ravens game. That's how steamed I was. But, anyway, but you know, it's for the suspense. I have y'all waiting until uh, the end of this uh, week. So, we'll do... Uh, I'll do Ravens-Chargers first because, you know, it's a local game. It's a local team. And uh, those of you who are living in uh, Baltimore, uh, Maryland, or in the DMV area, I'll touch on that game first. Um, Let me be very, very clear. Lamar Jackson is a... he's a, He's a dynamic quarterback. You know, he knows how to keep players alive with his legs. He rolls out the pocket when he needs to. He can step up in the pocket if he needs to. He sure is not afraid to tuck it and run if he needs to, or even if he wants to. He can he when he when the guy when a man's open downfield, he can sling the ball sixty yards. But just as much as he is. The reason why the Ravens went ten and six and made the playoffs and went on like that six and one run with him as starting quarterback, as much as he has the praise for that, he's also just as much is to blame for them losing on Sunday. Three fumbles, one of them lost, was fourteen for twenty nine with hundred and ninety four passing yards, two touchdowns and an interception on Sunday. Oh, and might I add he had a QBR of of, of zero, headed in, headed towards halftime, and had negative passing yards coming out of halftime as well. Negative passing yards, negative passing yards, and at one point in the game, his QBR was zero point zero. He gets paid a good money to play for, to play starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, and you win the playoff game, and you mean to sit up here and tell me that the best you can do is put up a 0.0 passer rating? Really? Really? I, I mean, I mean, he fumbles on the, I don't know what it was, but he mishandled the snap. He mishandles the snap. On the uh, you know on on the first play of the, of the second um, first play of his of the second uh, drive in the game, he 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 coughs that up. I mean, I mean, w- w- can we just admit that he did not have it? 
I mean, it's not going to hurt anybody, but I mean, can we at least be open and honest with ourselves and say Lamar Jackson had one of the worst games of his young NFL career and simply did not have it uh, on Sunday? Can we simply just admit that he sucked, he dropped the ball, he pissed down his leg, he took a crap in his pants? I mean, can we at least be honest and say that? And I got to sit up here and listen to Ravens fans and Lamar Jackson apologists saying, well, well, he's a rookie. Uh, you got to give him some time. And start making all these excuses. I'm like, 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 and, and I don't know, I, I told him, I said, in case you Ravens fans forget, 10 years earlier, Joe Flacco in his rookie season in 2008 took y'all to the AFC Championship game. Like, one went away and your rookie quarterback who you just drafted is in the Super Bowl. Think about that for a minute. So don't sit up here and I don't want to hear rookie, please. That's that's the last thing I want to hear, Rookie. He's played seven game. He's played seven games. He, you know, he's had all mini camp OTAs, mini camp OTAs. Um, what am I trying to say? Training camp, preseason, backing up behind. I mean, he's had plenty of opportunity. What? What do you think the Ravens weren't weren't going to try to compete in two thousand and eighteen? They went 9-7 and seven and missed the playoffs because the secondary had holes like Swiss cheese and basically made uh, Andy Dalton out to be uh, Boomer Sison on New Year's Eve of 2017 and basically ha- let, uh, had Tyler Boyd basically just run a streak route on a 4th and 12th. That's the reason why the Ravens didn't make the playoffs. What do you think? We think the Ravens weren't going to try to compete? I mean, come on. I mean, quit making excuses. The guy stunk. The guy stunk. He spit up the joint. He wasn't ready for prime time. The moment got too big for him. Oh, okay. He'll live. He's got plenty of time to recover from that. But the idea that, you know, we're giving him a pass because he's a rookie is a bunch of nonsense. He is a professional quarterback in the NFL. Him throwing a football is part of his job. He gets that's what he gets paid to do, throw a football. I mean, come on. I mean, at the end of the day, and then Harbaugh on top of it, who I even have a bigger issue with because as the margin got wider and went from 3 nothing to 6 nothing to 9 nothing, and when after a fumble and an interception thrown by Lamar, when is Harbaugh gonna wake up and pull his hands out of his hind parts and realize and wake up and smell the coffee and realize that Lamar Jackson simply does not have it today? He 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 can't have it all the time. He's twenty one years of age. He's a rookie out of Louisville. Yeah, he, he hasn't had any any you know championship you know significant you know bowl game experience. You know, he isn't Baker Mayfield who, you know, the season before was competing to uh, play in a, in a uh, national championship game. Baker Mayfield was, you know. 
it's not AJ McCarron, you know, who who came out of Alabama where all they did was win championships and compete for championships. And, you know, he's throwing it and he's throwing in there because, you know, Andy Dalton broke his You know, it's not, it's not like that situation. He comes out of Louisville. That Anybody who knows anything about college sports knows that there are certain colleges where a certain sport ranks supreme over the other. Louisville, I mean, I, Rick Pitino is gone, but still, Louisville is a basketball school. Indiana is a basketball school. Duke, basketball and lacrosse school. I, I mean, you know, Miami, football school. Alabama, football school. But I, but I mean, you either have it or you don't. Cut and dry. I mean, uh, quit. I mean, what's, what's with this charade game that Harbaugh's never trying to give us? Well, well, maybe and and then and then at, at halftime, you know, and and don't and it wasn't like the Raiders, and it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like Philip Rivers was Dan Fouts in the game, no, neither. It was a defensive battle on both sides. Ravens defense did the best they can. The absolute best. That's why I can't kill the Ravens defense. They played the absolute best ball they can. Forcing turnovers, stripping the ball, playing to the final whistle, getting intercepted. I mean, they tried the best they absolutely could to keep the Ravens in the game. Because it was like Phillip Rivers was Dan Fouts and, and, and played a playoff game of his life. He, 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 the first touchdown of the game didn't come until about the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. Before that, it was all field goals. I, I mean, come on. It was not like the Phil Rivers played the game of his life. The defense, like the first matchup, kept them in the game. All Lamar Jackson has to do is be a competent quarterback Know how to like complete a few decent pass patterns across the middle of the field, not run so much, especially when the when the Chargers defense it's you know re- responds to it and and stops them. And I gotta sit there and look at these little tired read option plays for two yards. I mean, c- come on. And then Ravens fans, and then some Ravens fans getting all defensive over Lamar Jackson. I I get it. He he what six and one. I get it. He won y'all get division, but gee whiz. I mean, can you can you calm down on Lamar Jackson a little bit with with, with with Lamar's Jackson's the goat. Lamar's this. Lamar's that. I mean, can you calm down with with, with it, please? Can can you calm down with it, please? Because goats. G-O-A-T, greatest of all time, does not under any circumstances play like that in that sort of moment in time and situation. Name me one quote-unquote GOAT, or name me one borderline Hall of Fame quarterback that plays like pure D garbage, garbage at home in the playoffs. Tell me. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. I wait. I, I got all day, all night. I I'll wait. There is none. I, I 
having a place. And then I got to listen to John Harbaugh, you know, at halftime. Tracy uh, Wolfson of CBS asked him, you know, what what is it going to be? Uh, John is going to be flat. Because, keep in mind, you got Flacco on the bench who has shown Harbaugh and has shown this organization and has shown this uh, Baltimore Ravens fan base that he has what it takes to win, to make a deep playoff run and to win Super Bowl. He he knows what it takes. 2008, like I said, a game away from playing the Super Bowl in his rookie season. 2011 and 12, he made it to back-to-back AFC Championship games. Super Bowl MVP, played in the Super Bowl. He has playoff ex- experience. And it's just something weird about Joe Flacco that if his team's in the playoffs... For whatever the reason, he can get hot at the drop of a hat, at the snap of a finger. I don't know. I don't know how he does it. I don't know what his little, you know, his little superstition is. I don't know what he does. But for whatever the reason, if it's January, if it's January the New Year, and the Ravens are playing in the playoffs, for whatever reason, Joe Flacco is a better quarterback. No, I can see if. He had not won a Super Bowl or not been to a Super Bowl. But the guy is a Super Bowl MVP. What are you waiting for? I mean, if you take out 2014, the second to last time he was in the playoffs, he won the whole thing. He played perfect football. He outplayed. He didn't outplay, you know, Andy Dalton and uh, um, Blake Bortles. He outplayed... Two first ballot Hall of Famers to get there. And that season's uh, first round number one draft pick and, and uh, Andrew Luck. So he beat the number one overall pick of that year's draft and two bona fide first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. He outplayed both of them. On the road, no less. I mean, come on! And I got to listen to Harbaugh sit up here and moan and, moan and groan and gripe. And I got to sit up here and listen to him at halftime talking about, oh, uh, I'm not going to answer that question. What do you mean I'm going to answer that question, Harbaugh? It's your team! Your quarterback! Dude, you're getting, you're getting creamed at halftime! You have not put up a point on the scoreboard. It's it's 12 nothing at halftime! His QBR is at zero, and he has negative passing yards. What do you mean you're not going to discuss it? What are you waiting for? Do something stupid and throw a pick six? Sitting so down 19 nothing? What are you waiting for? You got to salvage the game at some point. Your defense doing the best they can. But when it's on the field so long and, and on the field for so many times out there so frequently because Lamar Jackson can't complete a forward pass or hold on to the football to save his life, what do you expect to happen? Jeez. I'm not going to answer that question. Why not, Harbaugh? You're the coach. Answer it. What are you scared of? Answer it. Cut and dry. Yes or no. 
doing this little, little James Brown shuffle stuff. Shuffle crap. Dancing around the question. Answer it. Be a man. Show some guts. Just answer the question. Simple yes or no or we'll see. I'll even settle with a we'll see or maybe, but gee whiz. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it. Then he's like, I'm not going to answer that question, but boy, Tracy, what a great question you asked me. Am I watching a football game or am I, or I, or am I in a journalism seminar if I had to ask a question? Who cares how, how, how well you, you like her asking the question? Answer it for God's sakes. Well, I respect you. I respect you. And just answer the question. Will you please answer the question, yes or no, and get, and get the heck out of there so we can watch the game. God, that bothered me and made me sick. Uh, really? I'm not going to answer that question. You have a Super Bowl MVP on a quarterback, and your first-round draft pick, a quote-unquote future of your franchise, is it's playing one of the worst games at quarterback I've ever seen in my life in the playoffs. You got 71,000 fans up in the seat supporting you. Thousands, if not millions more Ravens fans watching on television. You don't want to sit up here and say with a straight face, you're not going to answer that question? Really? Because you don't want to sit up here and spark controversy? Yes or no? After the first drive of the, of the, of the, of the second half, he should have been out of there. Case closed. Cut. Cut the cord on him. No, it's, it's like one of the things, you know, and if you heard me, one of the things, I, and I love Buckshaw, Buck I'm, getting, I'm getting a little off track, but I'm making a point here. Buckshaw is one of the greatest, he's the greatest Orioles manager in my lifetime. He, that, that he is the man that, that introduced me to winning Orioles baseball for the first time there was such a thing. But the one pet peeve I would have about Buck Showalter is that he would wait too little too late to take out starters when at some point during their crappy start, if he would have taken them out sooner, the game was still winnable. Well, you know, you got to do work, but the game is still winnable. That's the one pet peeve I would always have. He would wait too late. And would like you know, and act and act like the game is basically a spring training game, and, and you know, and and fought around, and you know, will make sure he finds himself when we're when the when everyone you know wants to win the game and knows good and well the pitch on the mound stinks, walking guys giving up hits and home runs after whatever, and he leaves them in the game, you know, quote unquote, to let him find himself and let him get himself together. By the time he gets himself together, at the time he should have taken them out at like four nothing. You look up on the scoreboard. By the time he six, he, he takes them out at seven nothing. But but I say that to say, Harbaugh was no different. I mean, rather than taking him out at twelve nothing after halftime, he leaves him in the game. He leaves him in the game. And by the beginning of the fourth quarter, it's twenty to three. Backed up, you know, inside his own thirty-yard line and everything. I mean, come on, throwing low, inaccurate passes. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, it's just getting set. And I now the offensive line is is part of the blame. But gee whiz, 
Lamar Jackson's got legs. He got to use them. But even still, the offensive line is not the reason why, you know, he couldn't hold on to the football. You get taught this when you, when you play in Pop Warner in middle school and in high school to hold on to the football. You, I mean, you get taught that. The, the simple fundamentals. So don't sit here and give me this garbage that the offensive line was the reason why he fumbled. No, the reason no, the reason why he fumbled is because he has poor ball handling and poor ball security. And the fact that Harbaugh didn't like emphasize this enough in, in the previous weekend practice, especially knowing how much the Chargers defense is going to try to eat at him and knowing how disgusting their offensive line is, that's a, another bad job on Harbaugh's part. But, but, I mean, come on. I'm not going to answer that. I mean, who, who does John Harbaugh think he is, really? You're not going to? Why not answer the question, John? It's your team, your quarterback, your quarterback. You're losing a playoff game at home to the Los Angeles Chargers, for God's sakes. I mean, come on. At some point... Hobart has to wake up, get his hands from out in between his legs, wake up and and, and just be blunt and just be frank and say, Lamar Lamar Jackson, he's done a great job up to this point, but God, I mean, he does, he clearly does not have it today. Let me take him out and go to the bullpen and get Joe Flacco, who's been here, done that, got a T-shirt, literally and figuratively, and put him in the game and see if we can try to salvage it. Just having Lamar Jackson, you know, run, run and hide and scrambling and Deacon and and, and Dutch and all this other and all this other garbage, fumbling every single time you turn around and bat your eye, that ain't gonna help you win football games. And that run-heavy offense worked, but when the Chargers knew what they were getting, they stopped them, which is a sign to the Ravens that either you get yourself a new quarterback. Or you better have Lamar Jackson start throwing the football more because this offseason, teams are going to they already they already released the opponents for the 2019 season. So in the NFC, the NFC West plays the so you know Rams and Seahawks defense they're going to be ready for it. And as well as everybody else that they play uh, next season. They're going to be ready for it. I mean, what an absolute bad, bad, horrible job by the Baltimore Ravens. Absolutely pitiful. And and, and if someone's going to sit up here and try to tell me, well, it wasn't Harbaugh's call, it was Bichetti the owner. Bichetti should keep his big fat mouth shut, stay out of the football operations, especially what goes on on the field, and worry about putting hind parts in seats and and shaking hands and kissing babies' foreheads when they come to M&T Bank Stadium. So, don't, don't even, please. So if Gunn Stephen trying to tell me now that Bichetti is the reason that Bichetti was calling the shots so why Lamar Jackson was still in the game or whatever, I don't want to hear it. Bichetti should keep his nose out of it and leave it up to Harbaugh and his coaching staff and worry about putting butts in seats and and making sure, you know, and making sure, you know, the NFL doesn't like take, you know, doesn't 
fool around with TV contracts and stuff like that. And then on top of it, Lamar Jackson fumbles at the end of the game. I'm like, Harbaugh, like, what are you, stupid or something? How could you not see this come? The guy has, has had ball security the entire game. And, and it's just only fitting that he fumbles to lose the game. I mean, Jerry West, I mean, what, what, he, what he dip his hands in some butter or something? Something they put baby oil all over his hands, keep his hands moisturized in the cold? I mean, what? Hey, I sit here and listen to Harbaugh on the post game, you know, giving me Bible verse and giving this huge song and dance. Oh my God. Shut up! Will you please? This huge song and dance and quoting the Bible and, and mythology. Oh my God. Sh- Harbaugh, shut up and answer the questions. Jay Wiz. Just comes off so. Faking so extra in the press conferences. Oh my God. Please, just answer the questions. Enough with your little psychology mind games. Please. That fake intellectual, stop it. Answer the question. How about it? Well, well, maybe this double talk. How about either you know or you don't know? Just. Leave it cut and dry, black and white. Be blunt, forth, up and honest about it. And quit with this charades game you're playing. Then he sits up here and says in the in the post game, "Well, our team felt uh, felt comfortable about and and Joe included about you know Lamar Jackson still being in the game." Oh, really? Because every because I because every single time the CBS camera was on Joe Flacco, his hind parts was so mad, looked like he was about to hurt somebody. I mean, I mean, come on. Rushing, he was nine attempts for fifty-four yards. I mean. Come on, he did not have his best day. And don't sit up here and, and blow smoke up my hind parts or his hind parts talking about, well, you know, I don't want to hurt his confidence. You're sitting here trying to win a playoff game at home to the Los Angeles Chargers. The hell with the confidence crap. Nobody, about confidence. He has all of February, March, April, May, June, July, and August to get his confidence back. Trust me. He makes good money. If if he's that bummed out about it, he needs to go see a counselor or somebody. Trust me, he has plenty enough money to afford it. He's got girlfriends, friends, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins he can go to talk to about. Bichetti, Ozzy Newsom, Harbaugh, I don't care. CJ Mosley, Terrell Suggs, I don't care. But right now is not the time for, you know, you know, in my feelings, I, you know, because I don't want to, you know, now's not the time to, you know, to play soft and think about each other's feelings and, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and play violin music and get all emotional because God forbid we hurt Lamar Jackson's feelings telling him he sucks in his first playoff game he's ever played in. 
So you you can cut the emotional garbage and and the violin slow music and and the crocodile tears and the tissues and all the other emotional crap. You can throw that out all the window. Cause if I'm a Ravens fan or if I'm one of those players out on that football field or if I'm Bichetti or any of the other coaches. I could really give two horse you know what about Lamar Jackson's feelings on sitting up here trying to win a trying to win a winnable playoff game. And our defense is breaking their back trying to keep us in the game. I really could care less about Lamar Jackson's feelings. I really, really could. Because the last time I checked, football was a team sport with 53 players on a roster, uh 22 starters, offense and defense. 17 16 games, 17 weeks. Winner winner at the end of the season is crowned Super Bowl champ. That's what I know football to be. It's one of the that and baseball is one of the, is two team sports where you need a collective effort to win the game. So, you know, the idea that God forbid we hurt Lamar Jackson's feeling feelings is is a bunch of hogwash. He has all the he has the rest of the winter and spring and summer in to, to recover from that. What what what? You take him out of the game, what is he gonna do? Drive to the Chesapeake Bay Bridge and jump off and drown himself? He'll live. He's twenty one years old. He'll, he'll live. Oh no, we, we gotta cater to his feelings. Really? Other than going, other than other than winning his division, what has he done? I, I mean, come on, I'm really. He's not. He's not Patrick Mahomes to break or Baker Mayfield breaking records held by Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning every single time. So let me turn around. So, so don't sit up here and talk about protecting his feelings and being being sensitive. Because last time I checked, this was the National Football League playoffs, not an episode of General Hospital or Grey's Anatomy or Young and the Restless or whatever one of those dopey soap opera shows you, you could come up with. Because if I am a Ravens fan that's, that paid good money to go to the game, dealing with traffic and park and paying for parking and all the other garbage, or watching the game on TV, and 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 getting charged with arm and a leg because these greedy NFL owners want every nickel from you know from the, from the TV networks watching the game. I really could care less about Lamar Jackson's feelings. What I care about is when the clock is triple zero that we have more points on the scoreboard than we do. That's what I care about. Because at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson has February, March, April, May, June, July, and August. He's got over a half of a month. Over, he has a, realistically speaking, he has the second half of the year to quote unquote recover and rebound from that. He'll learn from it. He's 21 years of age. But can we quit farting around and just sit up here and admit he did not have it and quit with this? Game of charades with, well, maybe and all this double talk to just be upfront and honest. And then I got to sit up here and and deal with Jimmy Smith, like Jimmy and Jimmy Smith is getting burned left and right in the game. 
I mean, getting burned. And I got to sit up here and I got to listen to Jimmy Smith. Re- re- really? I got I got to listen to Jimmy Smith t- talking about, well, well, if you're, or you're, if you're a fair, you know, if you're a fair weather fan of this or, or, or get out or, or get out or something. Really? Rips fair weather fans for booing Lamar Jack. Jimmy Smith, what else, what what do you expect? You guys are getting absolutely dominated by the by the Chargers. A team that you beat two weeks prior. You're at home. You losing at home in the playoffs doesn't happen a whole lot. I mean, he is a first-round pick, a quote-unquote future of the franchise. You would expect the future of your franchise, your first-round, your first-round pick that's your quarter. You would, it, it, who's a Heisman Trophy winner, no less. You would expect him to put on a better performance than he did on Sunday. And I said, man, listen to Jimmy Smith talking about quote for a fact for for fact that you're a fair-weather fan that quickly when things go rough, you turn to your back on him. No, he didn't. This is sports. This this isn't anything personal against him. Are Ravens fans thankful in the long run that he became starting quarterback? Yes, they are. But at the end of the day, you gotta. But at the end of the day, when they when they're looking up on the scoreboard and they and they see that you know he has he he just cracked over a hundred yards passing in the fourth quarter, and for some point in the game he had a QBR of zero. I what what are you what are you starting to do? Give him a manicure and a uh, give him a manicure and a pedicure, put uh you know put sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger, and give him a hug and kiss, and and lavish him with flowers and nice gifts. He stunk up the joint. Can we be honest and call a spade a spade, please? Then Smith continues. That just got under my skin a little bit. I went out. There and told him you the ride or die. You get the hell out of here. Really? They do ride or die. They 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 stay there through them. You know some fans left, but but for, for the most part they stay there to the very end. What do you mean ride or die? They ride or die when Joe Flacco was sticking up the joint earlier in the season. They ride or die when you got your iPods torched down the field by Keenan Allen and them. Ride or die. So uh, for the fans that pay hard-earned money on PSLs and parking and season tickets, all the, all the other stuff that you know NFL season ticket holders and, and fans that go to the games have to put up with, so what, they're not allowed to boo. They pay taxpayers' money so your hot bus can have a stadium for them to boo you in. They are allowed to boo. For the good part of history, Rams have been a winning franchise. Their fans have standards. They are allowed to boo. Who, who, who is Jimmy Smith? Ed Reed? Rod Woodson? Who does he think he is? 
They have every right to boo. He's sting up a joint, get, getting smacked left around in front of America on television. Really? And again, one more time, Flacco, Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl MVP. Some might argue, and it might not get much argument, but Joe Flacco is the greatest quarterback in Ravens history. Better than Tony Banks, better than Kyle Bowler, better than um, uh, Trent Dilfer. I mean, come on. They have every right to boo. Every right. He play, he played like garbage. I mean, what? So so, so so let me get the so if you, Jimmy Smith, what what do you expect him to do? Th- throw bouquets at him and give him a standing ovation for a QBR of zero and negative passing yards in front of millions upon millions watching on television all over America. That's number one. Number two. Seahawks and Cowboys. This was another game that bothered me. For similar reasons that the Ravens Chargers game bothered me. It was coaching because, I mean, the Cowboys won the game, of course. They play the Rams later, later on. But at the end of the day, I understand that the that the Seahawks have one of the number one rushing attacks in football. But first of all, let me say that the Dallas Cowboys defense is a force to be reckoned with. Let me just get that on the table right now. That if somehow some way this team gets to the Super Bowl, it's going to be because of their defense and their ability to run the football with Ezekiel Elliott, who again had another big game. 26 carries, 137 yards, and a touchdown Zeke had. Dak Prescott, 22 or 33, 22 or 33, 226, a touchdown. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, if you want me, if you expect me to sit up here and bloviate and, you know, and talk about Dak Prescott like he's the second coming of Troy Aikman and Roger Staubach put, the, put together, you're sadly mistaken. The reason why the Cowboys won this game last Saturday night was because Ezekiel Elliott's ability to powerfully and consistently run the football well and that stellar defense, preferably that stellar defensive line that the Cowboys have, because I mean to tell you something. If I had a nickel, if I had a dime, if I had a quarter, for every single time I saw the Seattle Seahawks run the ball up the middle, I would be so rich, it would make you guys' head spin. 
If I had a dime for every single time I saw the Seahawks run the football for negative for no gain, negative two, negative three, two, three yards each rush, I'd be making just as much money as I'm making just as, I'm making just as enough money as Jerry Jones would be for crying out loud. I mean, Chris Carson, I get it. He was top five running back in football. But gee whiz, you saw him 13 times, had 20 carries. Averaged 1.5 rushing average every carry. 1.5 average yards rushed a carry. You must be kidding me! Really? I mean... Rushing play after rushing play after rushing play. I mean, and it's like the same thing. And it's like, I'm like, what are these guys doing? Like, can the offensive coordinator, can Pete Carroll not clearly see that the Cowboys are stacking the box against the Seahawks? I mean, it, I mean it, 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 you do not have to be Vince Lombardi to know how to, to, know how to point that out. They're stacking them up the box against them. The Cowboys knew what was coming. Rob Marinelli like the defense. I said it again. I'll say it again. They did a great job this game. They did their homework. They knew what they were facing going in. They did their homework. Rematch from the one of two teams played in week three. They did their homework. I give them that. But Jay West, Seattle, you can't sit up here and see that, that the Cowboys are obviously stacking up the box against you, expecting Penny and Carson to run the ball and Mike Davis to run the ball up the gut a lot in the ball game. You can't see that? And the thing that made it even worse was, was when the Seahawks finally had drives going and they threw the football down the field like they were supposed to and let that open up the game for Russell Wilson to come in. And when you saw, when the Seahawks threw the football, they got chunk plays. They, they drove down the field. But, I mean, how predictable is it when it's first and second down, you're averaging about a one, one and a half yard a carry, so it's like third, third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, Everyone in the whole state, man, right? Watch on television knows and sees you're gonna throw the football. So you so you give yourself so you so you show your hand. You run the ball for that little game, first and second down, third and eight. Well, it's obviously not gonna run the ball again. Now obviously they're gonna pass it. What do they do? Cowboys, which which they do a lot, and, and sometimes it's bitten them in the butt. What do they do? They literally send everybody all at once, and they get Russell Wilson. That's what they did every single time during that game. Every single time. Had to, I mean, stacking, I mean, everywhere. Defensive everywhere. And when, and when they allow Russell Wilson to stretch the field and, and, and throw the ball deep, they got someplace. Tyler Lockett, Jerrain Curse, you know, they did you know they did their job. Tyler Lockett had forces for 120 yards. So I mean, when you when you let Russ Wilson throw the ball down the field, which is what he does best, you, you you're going you you can win the game. But gee whiz, I mean, rushing for as many times as you did on good for what well, ain't working, that's gotta stop.
I mean, you, you cannot obviously see that the Dallas Cowboys defensive line is literally stacked up against your offensive line. They're stacking and packing the box. They're, they're, they're their secondary members are inside. You can't see that. Everybody in the whole stadium knows what you guys is going to run. And ain't one why I can't get a pass playoff when it started at 9 and Russ Wilson is basically getting, you know, is getting blitzed by by everybody on the field because everyone in the whole stadium knows that you're always not going to run the ball on a third and eight. I mean, third and seven, third and eight. What do Cowboys do? They stack the box, they send everybody. Make Russ Wilson th get the football out of his hands faster. I mean, but the same little pathetic one and two and three and, and no gain and one yard rushes. Oh my gosh, almighty. Pete, please. I, I mean, I don't know if, and I don't know if you slept about, about the uh, Patriots Super Bowl or what, but it's like now's the time you decide to run the football now. Now's the time you learn from your mistake you made in the Super Bowl that'll keep you out of the Hall of Fame. Now's is the time is the time to do it against that Dallas Cowboy rushing defense. Now's the time. Now's the time you sit up here and do it. Really? I mean, come on. Just like the Raven game, their defense did the absolute best to keep you in the game. But when they're on the field for so long, they get tired and they're going to give up plays. That's bound to happen. But when it's three and out, three and out, three and out, because you guys are so doggone hell-bent on running the football on these little pathetic inside, you know, two-yard rush plays, you you got to expect what's coming. On the field for that long, they're going to get tired. And it's just going to get to a point where they get a comfortable lead. And all they got to do is just give it to Zeke. And Zeke does his thing. He just grinds and work. He, he gets yards, keeps the, keeps the chains moving, keeps the game clock moving. And he, and he wears your defense down. But, I mean, come on. You guys can't, can't sit up here and, and not see that. I mean, just like the running game. At what point do you see that the running game isn't working for you, and do and you and you decide to abort the game plan and then switch it up on them? When you sit be going keep on trying and trying and trying and trying, because sooner or later the game's gonna get away from you, and so it's gonna be too little, too late for you for you to make for you to make a game plan change. The Seahawks had an absolute good, great chance to win this game. A good, great chance to win this game. They had a decent chance to win this game. A good chance. But because of putrid offensive play calling, not allowing Russell Wilson to stretch the field, and with the tired, same old, same old repetitive inside rush plays in tight bunch formations, they didn't win. And even if you are going to run the football, what's it going to kill you to run a few toss plays out, out to the left, out to the right? Get your blockers in front of you and see and see and see if they can bust through a hole. Or run read option on Russell Wilson, one of the other things he also does best. 
But no, Pete Carroll, offensive coordinator company, you know, run the ball up the gut 90,000 times. So the Seahawks and Ravens really did cost themselves from winning both winnable games last weekend. Take a break. I'll come back. I'll talk about Eagles, Bears, Colts, Texans right after this. Welcome back to I'm going to tell like TIS <clears throat> podcast. Switching gears now to the two other uh, playoff games out of wildcard weekend last week. Do the Bears and Eagles first and then Colts and Texans. So do the first and the last games of wildcard uh, weekend for you. Um, this game was... Uh, I've seen this at least during Wild Card Weekend. This has been a defensive heavy uh, playoff so far in the NFL. And if there's one thing you need to know about winning in the playoffs in the NFL is that you need solid quarterback play, lights out defense, and a kicker in order for you to uh, have a shot at winning it all. Uh, come the first Sunday in February, and a and a good running game too. Uh, the Eagles, you know, they didn't do so hot rushing the football, but boy, did my guy Nicky Foles have a good not one of his best, but he had a good game. Twenty five for forty, two hundred sixty six passing yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Actually, at the beginning of that game, I actually thought, well, has the magic ran out for? Nick Foles in the Super Bowl in the previous season, Super Bowl 52 champion Philadelphia Eagles. Like, has the magic run out? I'm like, uh, I'm getting a little worried. But about a minute left in the game, Nick Foles did what he does best, drove his team down the field, and absolutely did his thing against the Chicago Bears, whose defense played well in the game, but... That last drive was an utter disgrace. I mean, where is Khalil Mack? I mean, every all season I've heard Khalil Mack's the second coming of Butkus, Erlacher, Sayers, and uh, Singletary. That's all I ever heard from the game against Green Bay in week one all the way up to now. That's all I've ever heard from Khalil Mack, that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, LT comparisons, and everything else. And that this Bears defense is basically the second coming of the one from 1985. That's all I ever heard about all season. Yet, I give Nick Foles credit, but but it wasn't like Nick Foles played one of the best games he's he's played as an Eagles quarterback. First stint or second stint. Because they because they were forcing Nick Foles to make plenty of mistakes. He I mean he threw two interceptions and was torn and you know, two sixty six passing yards, which in today's league is pretty pedestrian. So and they just let Nick Foles march down the field and score a touchdown with a fourth and goal in the game on the line. Let Nick Foles just you know, march down the field and score a touchdown with ease. That is something that a championship defense, quote-unquote, an 85 Bears-like defense does not do. And all we've ever heard, all we ever heard this season was Khalil Max is the greatest thing since Gale Sayers and his defense is the second coming to 85 Bears and Bears Super Bowl this and Bears Super Bowl that, yet they completely fell on their face defensively. 
Not to mention Mr. Mitch Trubisky, who even though he threw for over 300 yards and a touchdown pass, you know, you throw 303 yards, you'd expect to score a little bit more than 15 points. I mean, the Eagles defense shut down Jordan Howard. He had 10 carries, 35 yards, but you'd expect for them to do a little better than that. It was basically Allen Robinson with 10 receptions, 150 yards, and a touchdown. But, you know, you, you, you receive, your leading receiver has 143 uh, receiving yards, and you, the quarterback, throws over 303 touchdown, uh, 303 passing yards. you got to do more than put up one touchdown on, on the scoreboard. I'm sorry. Which leads me to Cody Parkey and him and his turnover woes continue not turnover but his miss kick field goal woes continue it was basically a double doink that that ends the Bears season now I now he provide most of the scoring you know he provide you know he prov- the offense provided seven he provided the uh, you know all, all the other uh points but at the same but Cody Parkey I mean the the loss isn't all on him because the offense should have put up more points and that defense, like I said, absolutely peed their pants against Nick Foles in that last drive. When when all I ever hear nowadays is that this 2018 Bears defense is the second coming of the one that they had in 1985. That's all I ever heard all over the place. So he's not the main reason, and he is not the guy for the reason why they lost. But Cody Parkey has missed that kick. I don't care if the Eagles t- if the Eagles tipped it or not. He's getting paid good money. He has one job. He doesn't have to lift weights. He doesn't have to, you know, run on a treadmill or you know, run or do any of endurance stuff or the, or you know, do the little drills they do in practice in order for him to you know be effective on the team. All he has to do to be effective on the team is to make sure his is to make sure that he that he that his body is able to walk and for him to kick a football through two uh yellow uprights and and over a yellow cross bar. That's all he has to do. And the idea and the fact that the Bears cut Robbie Gold who's basically been money for the 49ers ever since they cut him who ironically enough was at the game. But for them to cut him and bring in this bum Cody Parkey who can't make a field goal of his life dependent on it, that 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 I would question the uh, Bears GM and front office about. But nobody's not going to say boo. They had a good se- they had a good season. They won their division. They went tw- they went twelve and four. They got Khalil. They stole Khalil Mack from the Raiders. Before, you know, a few days before the season even started. So they're not gonna say boo. Trubisky wasn't wasn't uh bad this year. So they're not gonna say boo about that. But still, I mean, you cut Robbie Gold and then and then gotta give and then and then have to expect Bears fans to be susceptible to Cody Parkey's ineptitude. I mean that 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 is something a fan base simply cannot stand for. The loss is not all on him, but in that situation, he's a professional athlete getting paid good money to kick to to. Uh, Getting paid good money to practice and prepare himself for situations like this, and the idea that you know he he has like this cross his upright fetish where every single missed field goal, every single time you turn around, it hips the upright. I don't know, but I I wouldn't expect he should not be brought back on the 2019 Chicago Bears roster. I can tell you that right now, he should have no business being the Bears' starting kicker for them next year. 
Because if they especially want to make a deep run into the playoffs next year, you can't make when you when you when you when your field goal kicker you know has an upright finish, and somehow manages to hit the up hit the uprights like I think it was five times, even though the Bears still won the game, but they hit hit the upright five times, and you know you. If you do some, if you go ahead and do the math on which ones were extra points and which ones was field goals, when you hit the upright five times in a game, in in a in a meaningless game that your team was dominating against the Lions, and then show up in the playoffs and and lay an egg in your pants, you can't expect to be on on a uh, on a uh, at least Chicago Bears law, law roster. Any uh, time longer, and I had a feeling because you know because of course it always happens. He makes the field goal. After all that, after all he's gone through this season, he makes the field goal. He thinks he's defeated his demons or whatever. Frank Wright calls a timeout. He ice him. I'm sitting there with my brother and sister and say, I I just have a strange feeling he's gonna miss this kick. And soon enough, he missed it. But but the Nick Foles magic continues as they will play the New Orleans, the number one seed New Orleans Saints who absolutely destroyed them the first time they played in the Superdome and if the Eagles win on and if the Eagles win tomorrow somehow some way I think they can do something that hasn't been done since the two thousand three and two thousand four New England Patriots and that's repeat of Super Bowl chance because if you can beat the Saints the best team in the NFL. And come out with a victory against that good Bears defense. I think you. I think you have a pretty decent chance to uh, to uh, beat the Chiefs, beat the Chargers, and especially beat the Patriots again. I mean that that's a better roster than it was last year, and they really should have not gone nine and seven. And if they do win a Super Bowl this year, it's going to be one of the most ugliest seasons because it's you know. You went well. You go like thirteen and three one year and won the Super Bowl. You go nine and seven the next and still end up winning it, which is just which is you know nine nine and seventeen is winning the Super Bowl. Always like boggles my mind because it's like you finished two games above five hundred and barely snuck into the playoffs, and yes, somehow some way you won the whole thing. It's just weird. But anyway, that is the Bears and Eagles game. Uh, last game of Wild Card Weekend. I'm gonna take a break and touch into the national uh, championship game between Alabama and Clemson. Last game I'm gonna touch into, then to get to a break, is the first game of Wild Card Weekend. It was between the Colts and, excuse me, the uh, Texans. Colts won the game pretty dominantly, 21-7. Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien and the Texans, unless you're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, but other than that, Texans failed once again to show up in the playoffs at home. Uh, I believe this is, what, the uh, second straight postseason appearance that they've been exited, uh, at least at home, at, at least in the playoffs, but they were exited by their division rival, playing them for the third and final time in the 2018 season. Indianapolis Colts, Andrew Luck didn't have a bad game. Was 19 for 32 with 222 pass yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. While Marlon Mack had a huge rushing game with 24 carries, 148 yards, and a touchdown in the game. T.Y. Hilton wasn't bad either. Five seconds for 85 yards. Their defense held the Houston Texans to only one touchdown and held 
Deshaun Watson, the 235 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception going both ways. Hell, Lamar Miller to with five carries and 18 yards, and Kiki Kuti had 11 receptions for 110 yards in the touchdown, while DeAndre Hopkins was shut down the entire game. Five, targeted 10 times, five receptions, 37 yards, so huge props to the Indianapolis Colts uh, defense. When we come back, do I'll talk Clemson winning it all against Alabama the other night, and I'll touch on the Saturday games and divisional round weekend of the NFL. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Amateur Like a TIA's podcast. Uh, switching gears now to college football for the last time until August or some big news happens in college football. But for the last time for a game, we'll turn to the NCAA for college football talk as the national championship between number two ranked Clemson, the number one ranked defending national champion Alabama, faced off at Levi Stadium on Monday night. Game was not even close. Went to bed early at after the bell when the Clemson got their first touchdown in the second half. That game was not even close. Clemson won 44-16. Absolutely dominated Alabama. Their quarterback... The, this Lawrence kid, oh, he is, th- this man is something, with Trevor Lawrence, oh, is he something special. Went 20 for 32 with 347 passing yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that that is, that is a national championship Heisman Trophy award winning type, type uh, stats. And he played well in the uh, Notre Dame game. Who's 27-39 with 327 and three touchdowns. Does not turn over the football. Hasn't turned over the football since November. I mean, what a job he did against that Alabama defense that got their hard parts totally kicked in the game. I mean, receiving. I mean, receiving wise. I mean, they uh, let. Justin Ross have six catches and 153 yards and a touchdown in the game as well. Not to mention um, Higgins, one of their other uh, receiving targets. He had three receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown. And then Mr. Uh, and Mr. Eatine, he uh, he had a you know Travis Eatine, he had a decent game too. With 14 carries, 86 yards rushing, and two touchdowns. And actually, so the Alabama defense was just getting dominated on all sides of the ball. Meanwhile, Tua Agavalova, two interceptions, 295 passing yards, two touchdowns in the game. Ru- the Alabama rushing attack couldn't get anything going whatsoever. It was their guy, it was their main man, Judy, their top wide receivers with five receptions, 139 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And that was about it for Alabama. They got absolutely dominated in the game. And when Tua is, you know, fumbling the football, he had a fumble in the game, you know, uh, cannot expect to win games. You fumbling the football and uh, and uh, just turnovers, they kill you. Especially in a game that was that when 
the mistakes you made, the opponent for either side was going to pounce on it, was going to take advantage of it at all costs. So congratulations to Clemson and winning yet another national championship. They go uh, perfect 15-0, and 0, number one in the world in college football. Congratulations to them. Switching gears now back to the NFL uh, to uh, do the two divisional round games in the NFL. Do Colts, Chiefs first, and then Cowboys, Rams. I think the Colts are going to win the game. Andrew Luck, has, and I think Andrew Luck and the Colts are going to continue on this hot streak that they've been on. Again, 1-5, and five, and look where they are. Chiefs and Kansas, the Chiefs, Andy Reid has to show me something not to choke in a big game. Remember, uh, last playoff game he played in was against the uh, Colts rival, the Titans, where they basically vomited up a, a uh, I think it was like a 20-3 to lead coming out of halftime and completely blew the, and blew the whole game away, went, went full read. Uh, choking in the clutch as pos as uh, usual, so Chiefs have to show me something, and if they do, they have a legitimate shot to uh, taking down the division rival uh, Chargers or uh, Patriots to get to Super Bowl. Second game of this Saturday is the Cowboys and the Rams. The Cowboys coming off of their win last week against. Seattle uh, at home. Meanwhile, speaking of Seattle, Rams who beat them twice this past season, they are their uh, opponent coming in at 13-3, holding the number two seed in the NFC because they end their undefeated season ended and they lost the uh, tiebreaker, of course, to the New Orleans uh, Saints. So there is that. It's going to be a good game. Key for the Cowboys winning is that they get, like I told you when I was going on my little tangent on the uh, Seahawks, they got to keep pounding the ball to Zeke. Zeke rush, running the football wins them games. Not Dak Prescott has to play okay football, not do anything stupid, not turn over the ball, and basically let Zeke do his thing because uh if Zeke does, if the game and if the offensive flow does not run through Zeke, odds are the Cowboys a lot of times don't win, don't win, don't win, uh, don't win the uh, football games. Defense has to play good too. They have to bring out that Jared Goff that completely wet the bed. Uh, his last playoff outing uh, on in the divisional round against no, it was Wild Card Weekend, excuse me, last year at home against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. So he and Sean McVay are trying to, uh, you know, are trying to uh, erase that uh, bad taste out of their mouth from last year. And if they lose tonight, God forbid. But if they lose tonight, you know, you kind of got to pump the brakes on Sean McVay and uh, Jared Goff because if they lose tonight, it'd be back-to-back playoff appearances and back-to-back one and done uh, seasons, home losses no less in the playoffs for the Rams. But let's hope that they win, so I don't have to hear Skip Bayless and the Will Canes of the world and 
everybody else is a Dallas Cowboy fan, bloviate and lose their mind, and how about them Cowboys to the Cows come home, and then utter the sheer blasphemy in the 21st century of saying Cowboys and, and Super Bowl in the same sentence, something they have not done since Troy Aikman was still, was uh, was a player. But we shall see with that. That game is at 8.15 on Fox. Fox gets two. Um, they get two uh, divisional round playoff games. So you odds are you'll see their B team, which I think is Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis. I'm not entirely sure, but I think... No, wait, they're doing, um, scratch it, they're doing the Eagles-Saints game tomorrow. Buck and Aikman are doing, and uh, with Aaron Andrews on the sideline, what a beautiful woman she is. But anyway, it's getting off a beaten path. Uh, though, though that crew, the A crew, the number one crew, they, I think, are going to be doing tonight's game between the Rams and the Cowboys and... I think Burkhart and Charles Davis will do tomorrow's game between the Saints and Eagles. Fox gets the two um gets the two divisional games. They rotated every year. Last year CBS got the two divisional games when they had uh Romo and uh Romo and uh what's his name? Had Romo and Nance uh last year in New England for that absolutely boring blowout of uh, that was Titans and uh that was Titans um Patriots while uh Iron Eagle and Dan Fouts did the incredibly entertaining and the game that really has sparked the beginning of the Steelers downfall that was that Jaguar Steeler game uh this time last yeah, so the number one team will do the primetime game for Fox, and the number two team for Fox will do the game at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, switching gears to the... matter. No, not switching gears, I'm sorry. We'll take a break. I got a distract. Got a little uh, sidetracked there for a minute, but my bad. Uh, take a break. We'll. I'll talk Chargers, Pats, Saints, Eagles, and picks. Then we get on up out of here. Back right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelic TIS podcast. Touch on the two Sunday games going on in the divisional round weekend in the NFL. Then picks. Now get you on up out of here. So the first game Sunday is Chargers and Patriots. Uh, that game should be a very competitive game. Duel of two Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks. The best who's won a Super Bowl and the best who has won a Super Bowl in Phillip Rivers. Hoping and praying that the Chargers put a nail in the coffin of this annoying, boring, bland, dis- mischievous, devious, uh, hateable Patriot dynasty that... I have been unfortunate enough to watch and don't sit up here and tell me you should be thanking your lucky stars you're able to watch this because if I you know I gotta if I gotta sit up here and uh, watch the Patriots boringly year after year after year win Super Bowls and you gotta deal with 
Tom Brady, one of the most pompous, one of the most dislikable, annoying people in all of sports, and when Kraft and everybody else, if I got to put up with that, then you are, and if you think that I'm lucky enough to be witnessing it and think I should be appreciating it more than I assumably should, you're better than me. I'd rather travel back 40 years ago and watch the Steelers win uh, four Super Bowls as a Bungles fan and put up with their ineptitude in, in the uh, 70s and then, uh, then, then have to watch this boring, devious, mischievous, unlikable, hateable uh, Patriot dynasty that I've been um, forced upon me being born in 2002, I've had to uh, watch and witness. But anyway, hoping that the Chargers end that, they got their work cut out for them. Uh, Patriots, have never they've lost three times, I think, in the Brady-Belichick era at home. Uh, Rex Ryan in the Jets in 2010. Uh, and 2012 at home against uh, the Patriot uh, against uh, the Ravens, and in 2009 against the uh, Ravens again. This time in a wild card round, and I bring up and it's funny I bring up the Jets in 2010 because 2010 was the last time that we had an AFC Championship game that did not consist of the Patriots or a team quarterbacked by Peyton Manning. 2010, it was Steelers and Jets was the last time we had an AFC Championship game without the Patriots or a team quarterbacked by um, Peyton Manning. It was the last time. So it's been eight years in the making. So hopefully that, you know, uh, Philip Rivers and company, which it is, I believe it's his time. He's gone through so much heartbreak and so much drama and BS in his career, whether it's Spanos moving a team in Los Angeles or just injuries and just bad luck all around him, changing coaches and bad players and kickers not being able to make field. I think it's his time. He's a likable dude, likable, very vibrant, electric, no pun intended personality. So I hope he gets the job done, even though the Chargers are one in eleven all time in New England, including the playoffs, but on the road they've been on fire, so something something's gotta give in that game. I picked the uh I picked the Chargers to win the game twenty six twenty one. New England's favored by minus four and minus four points, but I think the Chargers, I think it's their time. I think Phil Rivers I think he's I th- against this putrid, disgusting Patriots defense that, you know, got lit up like a Christmas tree against uh, the Lions and, uh, and the Dolphins and the uh, Tennessee Titans, for that matter. Just a team that is a soft, weak, very, very beatable two seed. That's why I think the Chargers are going to win the game 26-21. Again, you got Brady on the other side, so it'll keep it interesting, but I think the Chargers will pull one out late because I think I have a feeling that that uh, Patriot defense is going to give up a drive that will come back to bite them in the butt. Um, The uh, Dow, not the Dallas, the Philadelphia and New Orleans game that should be a good game. Uh, maybe the game of the weekend depends on how the other games and this game especially plays out. 
Um, six seed against one seed. Eagles share the best record in football with the Chiefs and Rams at 13-3. and three. They have number one seed because they beat the Rams in early November to get the tiebreaker. And outside of really week one when Ryan Fitzpatrick had the game of his life and threw for over 500 yards and absolutely torched that same defense, other than game one back in early September, once upon a time, the, the uh, Saints, especially in playoffs, they do not lose at home. So, Nicky Foles and his magic, they're going to have to pull another one, another rabbit out of the hat once again to try to take a stab at repeating as NFC champions and trying to make it back to the NFC championship game, whether it be in Jerry World in Dallas against their division rival Cowboys or in the LA Coliseum against the Los Angeles Rams. So you have that going on. Now it is time to close out the show. Time for our picks in the divisional round of the National Football League in the league where they play full pay. I gave you the Charger game already, so I'll give you the uh so I'll give you the um the three games. Indianapolis at Kansas City. I think the I again I, I do not trust the Chiefs in the big game. Chiefs, I think we're going to go full read like they did last year. Andrew Lux, just something special about that team. I think they're going to win 34-24. Rams and Cowboys, I'm going to be pulling for the Rams. I'm going to be pulling, be pulling for the Rams because I cannot stand those Cowboys, and I do not want to have to think about the idea that the Cowboys could be playing in a Super Bowl in my lifetime. I do not want to even think that through. So I hope that Todd Gurley outduels uh, Ezekiel Elliott because that's basically what it's going to come down to. Golf and and uh, Prescott, I think, will take a back seat, and it'll be more about the battle of the defensive lines for both teams and who's going to outdo a hole between Zeke and Todd Gurley. And I think the Rams are going to win the game in a very low-scoring defensive affair. 22-14, to 14, the, the Rams favored by a touchdown at minus 7 points. And to close out our show and to close out our little pick segment, Philadelphia and New Orleans, I hope that even if, if the Eagles do lose, which part of, me wants the, part of me doesn't want them to, part of me does, so I'm at least right on my, uh, on my uh, Saints in my redemption Saints uh Super Bowl pick. Saints favorite at minus eight points. Nick Foles and company once again is gonna have to pull another miracle and wrap it out of its hat. <clears throat> I think the Saints they, they don't lose at home. This team I think is meant to be to um play in the Super Bowl. I think the Eagles magic stops at Bourbon Street, I think the the Saints are going to win the game 22-30. Well, I thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Like a TIS podcast. I hope you guys enjoy listening to it as I did uh, doing it for you. Enjoyed the divisional round action in the NFL. Have a blessed and safe week, everybody out there, especially if you're traveling during the, uh, in the uh, snow 
in this uh, DMV mid uh, mid Atlantic northern uh, north northeastern uh, American area. Have a blessed and safe weekend, everybody. Talk to you next week. Take care.